Thanks, Yvonne. We're going to zoom in really just on, on one verse in here. Uh, 31 verse 2 says, the people found grace in the wilderness. Um, that's going to be kind of our proverb, uh, if you will, our phrase to hold up and kind of look at from different angles this morning. The people found grace in the wilderness. And uh, from my standpoint, at least, uh, that phrase is a little bit um, shocking. Uh, it's a little bit unexpected, uh, if you will. The people found grace in the wilderness. We, I, I think that we could all uh, agree that that's probably something that's desperately needed, grace in the wilderness. Um, but it's a little bit of a conundrum about how that works. Um, uh, grace, right, is, is undeserved, unearned favor. It, it is something good. Uh, it is something helpful. Um, it is something that we desire, right? Uh, grace, we talk about it a lot uh, here at Resurrection Ministries uh, to the point where, where maybe some of us have even, um, uh, we, we take it for granted or, or we just begin to expect it uh, more than we don't expect it, that is, right? So grace um, is, this, is this massively good, helpful thing um, and, and we've come to expect it, but maybe not in the wilderness so much. I mean, if we really kind of think about it, grace and wilderness uh, kind of don't go together. Uh, they, they, at least in the Old Testament times or in Bible times, they, they kind of go uh, like this, right? They're, they, they're more like a head-on collision with one another. Um, they're going the opposite directions of one another, grace and wilderness. Um, they, they almost never go together. But here in Jeremiah 31 verse 2, God says the people found grace in the wilderness. Um, uh, wilderness could be defined or described as um, a desert or piece of land that is uncultivated and uninhabited. Let me say that again. Uh, the wilderness could be described as a desert or piece of land that is uncultivated, meaning nothing grows there, um, and it is also uninhabited, uh, which means nobody lives there, right? Nobody lives there. Um, another way of talking about it, in just general terms, it's a place of great danger and trial and difficulty. And, and you are extremely vulnerable in the wilderness, right? Because those, those dangers and those difficulties and those trials come from a lot of different sources and a lot of different ways. And when you're out there in the wilderness, you can't, uh, you can't like hide behind something, right? You're just kind of exposed. You are vulnerable out there. And so the wilderness is a very dangerous place to be. Um, throughout, the, uh, th throughout Scripture, really, especially in the Old Testament, um, the wilderness is a place to be avoided. Um, as I understand some of the, some of the basic um, travel uh, plans of people in the Old Testament, um, the wilderness is a place to be avoided. For instance, way before the time of Jeremiah, um, Abraham is called by God out of the land of Ur, right? And, uh, and, and the quickest way to get to the land that God was going to show him would have been across the wilderness, but God doesn't take him that way. God actually takes him up and around the wilderness because the wilderness is generally a place to be avoided. Um, e even here in the, uh, in the book of Jeremiah, in a little bit more of a kind of metaphorical kind of way, but um, the, the quickest way for the Israelites, for the people of God to, to be transported, uh, exiled from the city of Jerusalem to Babylon would have been across the wilderness, but that's not actually what happened. They were taken up and around the wilderness because the wilderness is a place to be avoided. The wilderness is where things and people go to die. 
Um, uh, for instance, uh, just a little bit before the time of Jeremiah, there's a prophet named Elijah. And Elijah wins this incredible victory at Mount Carmel. He, uh, he, he has this incredible victory uh, over um, Baal and the false prophets, right? He, he shows the false prophets to be false, and he proves that, God, uh, that the God of Baal is not actually a God. Uh, this is the whole story where uh, Elijah's calling on God to light the sacrifice, and the false prophets can't do that, uh, but Elijah does. And so uh, Elijah wins this incredible victory, but unfortunately that victory um, really made the king and the queen angry, right? And the queen put a price on Elijah's head and said, I want that man dead. And so what Elijah does is he retreats to the wilderness. But just see this, it's not a retreat like I would take to the wilderness, like a refreshing time. He retreats to the wilderness to die. When he gets out there, he doesn't eat or drink and when he finally speaks, he says basically, Lord, I have failed. This mission has failed. Nobody's faithful. Nobody's going to carry on the faith. This has all been ruined. Just let me die. The wilderness is a place where people go to die. Um, the wilderness is kind of this like awkward in-between space, um, that uncomfortable time when you're in between a couple of things. Um, one example would be the people of God leaving the land of Egypt uh, way before Jeremiah. And before they get to the promised land, they have to travel through the wilderness. Um, uh, metaphorically, here in the book of Jeremiah, again, right, the, uh, the people of God um, uh, leave Jerusalem and they go to Babylon. And, um, and, and when they get released from Babylon, eventually um, they would have to travel through the wilderness to get back to their homes. Even if you move past Jeremiah and you go into the time of Jesus, um, it's an awkward in-between space. Jesus gets baptized uh, by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, and, uh, and before he begins his mission, his, uh, his, his kingdom expansion work, he has to go through the wilderness. The wilderness is this awkward, uncomfortable in-between space. The wilderness is a place that nobody wants to be because um, leaving something and not knowing for sure what is to come isn't really a desirable position. Um, it's awkward and it's uncomfortable and, and we try to avoid it if we can. Uh, we'd rather not be there. It's a place of danger and trial, and difficulty. The wilderness is a place where you don't grow. It's a place where you're all alone. So how in the world can God say the people found grace in the wilderness? Uh, there is some precedence for that, actually. If we expand the view if we expand the view and, and, and we look a little bit past Jeremiah 31, we'll come back to it eventually, but, but, but there's actually some, some incredible moments that happen in the wilderness throughout Scripture. Um, uh, one example would be the people of God, uh, as they left Egypt and before they got to the Promised Land and they're wandering in the wilderness, they get to see God's miraculous power every single day for 40 years. 
Now, they started to take that for granted after a while. But for 40 years, what they did was they would wake up in the morning and they would come out of their tent and they would see that God had once again made it rain down bread from heaven. Every single day for 40 years, there is nothing in the wilderness, remember? There's nothing that grows there. And so the only way that they could survive for 40 years in the wilderness is if God miraculously shows his power and provides for them every single day for 40 years. They walked out of their tent and they said, oh, he did it again. And they'd walk out of their tent and they'd grab a hold of enough food for themselves and their families and they were provided for. The wilderness is a place where we get to see the miraculous power of God. If you move uh, past Jeremiah and you go back to Jesus again, right? Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days and he gets to experience the, the ministering of God. Uh, Jesus gets baptized in the Jordan River and he goes out in the, into the wilderness. He is sent there by God and, and he doesn't eat or drink for 40 days. Most of us go 40 minutes and we're a little bit hungry, myself included, my boys included, right? Jesus doesn't eat or drink for 40 days and he is tempted by Satan uh, three, four times. He's tempted to, to, to give up his identity as the beloved son of God. He's tempted with his appetite. Hey, turn these stones into bread. He's tempted by approval and ambition. Hey, Jesus, if you do this, I'll give you all of the kingdoms of the world. Hey, Jesus, if you do this, everybody will know that you're the son of God. 40 days and 40 nights, he doesn't eat or drink, and he resists those temptations, every one of them. And at the end of those 40 days, it's just this beautiful little, little, little verse at the end of those uh, 40 days and, and 40 nights. And, and what it says is that, the, that, that God sent an angel to miraculously minister to Jesus. That means that God sent an angel to care for Jesus and to, to help Jesus and to meet the needs of Jesus in that moment. The wilderness is a place where God comes and he ministers to us. He gives us all that we need. In the wilderness, there is a voice that is crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. It's just this beautiful uh, thing that happens in the, in the season of Advent. We get to, to rest on this guy named John the Baptist. And, and John the Baptist was sent by God to prepare the way for Jesus. And, and, and what he does is he goes out into the wilderness and he's the voice of God out in the wilderness not in the church the temple not in the holy city of Jerusalem he is the voice of God out in the wilderness and yeah he says a lot of stuff uh, pointing out their faults and their sin and he calls them to repentance but he also says hey get ready folks the kingdom of God is coming the kingdom of God is going to break through and, and we got to be ready for that this was such an incredible message for them that they longed to hear, right? Because, because they had been under the oppression of, of the Roman army, of the Roman uh, 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 nation, um, that, uh, that they actually, what, went out to the wilderness to hear the voice of God. In the wilderness, there's a voice crying out, prepare the way of the Lord. And then here in Jeremiah 31, we see that the wilderness is a place where God's promise meets our destruction. 
God's promise meets our destruction in the wilderness. The people of God here have, have uh, experienced incredible loss. Their homes and their families and their city has been destroyed. They've been exiled, and now God is speaking a promise to them in the midst of their destruction. Listen to what he says. Jeremiah 31, at that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they shall be my people. It's an important verse because it's a verse that tells us God wants to be a relational God. He wants to connect with us. He wants to be uh, in relationship with us. Verse two, thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword, what, found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Here come the promises. Again, I will build you and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. Again, you shall adorn yourself with tambourines and shall go forth in the dance of the merrymakers. Again, you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and shall enjoy the fruit. The wilderness is a place where God's promises of a better future meet our destruction, our loss, our trial, our difficulty. The people of God found grace in the wilderness of all places. So, so look, uh, I really wrestled with, with how best to apply this right to our lives and our moments. Um, I, I started out and I really wanted to actually, uh, my original goal was to encourage you to run to the wilderness. And I thought to myself, that's probably not a good goal because nobody's actually going to do that. <laughs> and because if we're really honest with ourselves, we don't need to run to the wilderness. The wilderness has this way of running to us. Yeah? It just has this way of coming to us and enveloping us. It has this way of taking us, this world, this life that we live, has a way of taking us to this place of, of difficulty and danger and trial. Uh, this world has a way of bringing us to these awkward in-between places. This world and this life that we live have a way of taking us to this place where we feel like we aren't growing and we're all alone. We don't have to run to the wilderness. The wilderness runs to us. But I think what Jeremiah 31 does is it encourages us um, what to expect when we're out there in the wilderness. We can expect a God who's going to make us a promise. We should be listening for the promises of God that says, hey, I'm planning a better future for you. I'm going to manufacture it. You don't have to do it. I'm going to do it for you, right? Because God's promise meets our destruction in the wilderness. In the wilderness, we should expect to hear the voice of God that says, hey, hold on, this wilderness doesn't last forever. The kingdom of God is going to break through and everything is going to change. In the wilderness, we should expect a God who's going to come and minister to us, care for us, help us. In the wilderness, we should expect to see the miraculous power of an almighty and everlasting God people of God found grace in the wilderness. Um, 
my real hope for you this morning is that you'll sit on the incredible truth of Christmas. The, the Christmas truth is that God chooses the path of Emmanuel. Yeah? God with us. That doesn't mean that he... He's only God with us at 1275 Fairview Avenue on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.45. It doesn't mean that he's Emmanuel, God with us on Saturday when we're in here all day praying and crying out to God. It doesn't mean that he chooses that path of Emmanuel only in our time of personal devotion. It means that he chooses that path of Emmanuel every second of every day, and he chooses that path of Emmanuel when you are in the wilderness. That's the joy of Christmas. Our first two candles are hope, oh dear, and joy is a little faded. (laughs) Uh, But if you notice, it's still lit, actually. It's still there. It's dim, but it's still there. That's a perfect sermon illustration. I don't know why that happened there, Diane. (sighs) But this is what Christmas is all about, yeah? Um, The joy of knowing that we have a God who is with us. Yeah, at church with the joyous music and the people, but also in the wilderness. We're not alone. And we can find grace in the wilderness. Amen? Amen. Uh, let's, uh, let's pray. Uh, dearest Jesus, just uh, short and sweet, we just want to thank you so much for the Christmas truth that you are with us. Uh, that our joy comes from you, not from everything going right, uh, not from happy songs, not from the people, but from you. And so when we are in those seasons of wilderness, of difficulty and trial, boy, we can know for sure that there is grace to be had, that there is undeserved and unearned favor that there is goodness to be had even in the wilderness because you are there too. And so we thank you and we praise you for who you are and for all you've done. In the name of Jesus, amen.